now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by our special guest. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Generation Church. How are you guys doing today? Woo! One more time. Woo! It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I, if you hear my voice crack, man, we have just been so exciting this whole this whole weekend. Just seeing Jesus show up and change lives when we gathered Amen. to his presence. Last night, Saturday at 5, this morning at 9, I was going to just pretend to participate in praise and worship, but worship team, you guys totally Come brought on. it. Bless my heart this How morning. How can you hold Amen. back? Amen. <laughs> My name is Jessica Irvine. I am the team team director here at Generation Church, and I am so sorry to start this service off with a Debbie Downer, but all the single ladies, the gentleman next to me is actually married. He is. He's so handsome. Look at him now. I'll give you a look, and then just stop right there. Don't I'm sit. very shy, okay. so this is hard for me to go through. Uh, I'm Doug Irvine. I am her husband. I'm on the leadership team here at Generation Church, and I get the privilege to hang out with you guys all the time. So Amen. I'm excited about Amen. it. Amen. So Douglas and I are truly honored to come and encourage, be encouraged ourselves and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ in the word today. Uh, we are not the pastors here at Generation Church. So um, if it's your first time, don't get scared. We might be a little crazy, but they're coming back. You know, one thing, our pastors are actually on a flight home from vacation one um, right now. And what makes us very different from them is when we go <laughs> away, um, it is all about us. We're like, we, we just, we think oh, we have poured, we have done all those things. I'm just being honest with I'm, I'm holy. She all is all things. about it. How can we just suck it all in? <laughs> we fill our car with a whole bunch of junk that none of you would ever think about eating. I mean, hostess is like king uh, going through. And so, but our pastors, when they go away, they think about us. And I have never served with someone that was so selfless. And it will be proof. You know, the Bible says that you will know a man by his fruit. And next week when Pastor Ben comes back and delivers our new series, and you will see, it will be very clear and evident that he has spent time with the Lord. You know, thinking of them being away right now, I think of the story of this guy, Jacob, climbing up this ladder. And um, he was like reaching up towards heaven and he would not let go until he received the blessing of God. And I I, I know for certain that that is exactly what they have done it and is. that they would not turn or do anything until they heard um, a, a word from the Lord. So don't miss it. Next so be week. here. Be here next weekend for yeah. sure. So today, today we are going to be speaking to you on the subject of advance man. Yeah. Say it with me. Say advance man. Advance man. Thank you. Some people have messed it up a little bit, so I wanted to make sure we got it clear <laughs> and concise. The advance man is a, is a very common topic. It's something that God has done from the beginning of time of creation, of anything he's done. He's threaded it through the Bible, through different people, through different groups of people, and he's always accomplished his plan by sending someone in advance of others. Amen. Amen. He has. You Amen. know, there's actually a definition that we found in a, in a regular Webster dictionary that has a definition for the advanced man. And hearing about that and then having the Lord lay it on our part, it just stirred me up and made me so excited. The definition is an agent hired to publicize the coming of notable figures who travel in advance to arrange security, meeting, and appearances. Amen. 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 He is. We're going to read... Um, a scripture written by one of the true advanced mans. We're going to read out of the book of 1 Peter today. 1 Peter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We'll also have it up on the screen for you if you didn't bring your Bible. Shame, shame. No, I'm totally <laughs> kidding, please. I just offended people. I'm going to be in trouble. Um, 
But no, legitimately, Peter was truly an advanced man. He was the one that Christ left to start what we now celebrate here, the local church. Yeah. He was the spearhead. He was the first one, the front runner, the leader to help birth, start, and fuel the local church, what we celebrate today. So we're going to read out of 1 Peter. In chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 3, and we're going to continue all the way to 7. And the word of God says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you will you have been distressed by various trials, so that proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, Woo! I love the word of God. We can go home. Um, no, honestly. So as Jessica and I prepared, and as we studied and got ready for this message, and we went, we've actually been traveling for about twelve or thirteen days. Uh, prior. We just got back Thursday morning at 5 a.m. Um, so it was a ton of fun. Uh, it was a family trip. Say family trip with me. Family trip. Say family trip. Family trip. That's how you say it. <laughs> so we have three daughters. They are precious and wonderful, but they add really new dynamics to anything that we do. So I am not a driver. If you don't know me, I, I live one mile from the church, one mile from the grocery store, one mile from everything that exists in my world. <laughs> Vacation to me is going to Orlando with my family. A half a tank of gas is my distance. That's what I like to do. Everywhere else, we fly. This time it didn't work out that way. So we had to drive to visit my in-laws, Jessica's dad, in Northeast Ohio. This yeah. is a common thread. Three <laughs> services. No one goes, woohoo! Northeast Ohio. Especially not Miami fans, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Columbus is good. It's good. Not really Northeast, but that's okay. So, teasing you, teasing. We drive. It's 22 hours, people. One way. 22 hours. If you don't know Jessica and I, we were highly competitive. Not even a little bit, a lot of highly competitive, okay? I let everybody know. I made a vow, even though the Bible says don't do it. I said, I will do this in one swoop. I will make it all the way to Northeast Ohio, one trek, no stop, gas. I mean, we, will, we are not going to stop. We're going to make it there. I broke my vow, failed miserably very quickly. It did not take long, okay? So we stopped in Jacksonville for dinner, and we got back on the road, and I did not realize that Georgia is the largest state in the United States. No one, I never learned this in school. I did not understand that it was 19 hours of the 22 to get through Georgia. Normally, it's your kids that are like, when are we going to be there? Jessica and I are like, come on. When does this, when does this state end? Because we you know, pace ourselves by states like all good kids should. So we give up and I have to plow through to get to South Carolina and we stay the night. We get up the next morning and we start over and 
truly it was the Lord. Because one thing I do know is this. I will only make this trip about every decade. Because, listen, the last time I did this was 13 years ago. I believe it takes about 10 years to erase from your memory <laughs> the pains of this trip. So I ended up finding myself the next day, not far into our trip, in the state of West Virginia. Beautiful. There we go. See? There's some love for West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia is a beautiful state. But these are crazy people. <laughs> crazy. Has anyone seen the road building process in West Virginia? No? I learned some new fact yesterday. The word nitro invented in West Virginia because they blow everything up. <laughs> they don't make roads by clearing land. They make roads by blowing up land. So our highways here, I-95, is one road going north, one road going south. A couple of lanes on each side. In West Virginia, they don't actually put the north or south, they don't put the opposing lanes next to each other because everyone would die, okay? The difference is they take a mountain, they blow a piece off of it, okay? So as you're driving, your left-hand side headed north is just sheer rock all the way up. A little sliver of flat land they've created, and then it's sheer all the way down, and all you see a couple hundred feet down is the tops of trees. I'm from Florida. I don't see the tops of trees very often. I see the underside of the tree. <laughs> so like Douglas said, it was truly the Lord that stopped us because if we would have just been so competitive like we are and tried to make it the whole haul, we've been driving in the middle of the night in the darkest hours through these mountains, which during the daylight, I was already scared. So we opened up our GPS and we're looking at it and it lets us know that we are about to enter the last rest stop for the next 48 miles. So we look at all the girls, we tell them we're pulling over, everyone has to go pee. And so we get out, we grab every refreshment like you think we're never going to eat again and start pouring everything inside of our Excellent car. Experience. Everyone's Excellent. gone to the bathroom, everyone's eaten, everyone's got all their toys and we are ready. Get back in the car, put on our seatbelts and we're ready to go. So we begin through the mountains and it's true, as we get into them, immediately your GPS drops off, you're just following the road, you know, you don't get off, you just follow directions at this point. Yes. <laughs> but if you have not realized this yet, if you don't have kids, you wouldn't know it. If you do have kids, kids have this like ticker inside of them. So after you tell them they have to go to the bathroom, they always tell you they don't have to go to the bathroom. But once that process happens, I figured it takes about eight miles. And then the switch clicks inside of them and they're like, hey, someone asked me to go to the bathroom. I do have to go to the bathroom. I don't know, but it's definitely a switch. It happens at eight mile mark every time, every time. So I, I have the normal dad response, no. We are not going to the bathroom. You will hold it. I can hold it. You can hold it, five-year-old little girl. <laughs> but of course, as the mom in the car, I am speaking to my husband and letting him know that we need to pull over. And so, yeah. There's options, though. Yeah. There's so, options. But the, the baby is the one that needs to go. She doesn't even weigh 50 pounds, I don't think. So I can, I can hang her out the window <laughs> and let her pee. It was disgust. But 
honestly, we'd be doing it the rest of the trip because she would love it. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't actually take that route. So after we let Douglas know, logically, we couldn't do that, especially during the children's ministry here. No one would be like, oh, my goodness, don't ever send your kids there before. <laughs> Good thing they kicked her out. They hang their kids out the window. And so um, we are looking for any type of oasis. And as a mom, like, when you need to find something, you are going to find it. And so our eyes are just peeled. The girls are crying. Everyone decides they have to go to the bathroom, and we are just searching desperately for a spot. We are, but the roads, again, for more description of West Virginia highways, one thing blew me away, blew me away. There are signs on the side of the road that give instruction to the truckers, teaching them how to navigate these roads. And here's the thought that crossed my mind. Truckers have very specific licenses. They're professional drivers. And the state of West Virginia has decided that professional drivers don't know enough to drive on their roads. And I'm thinking, I am definitely not a professional driver. Definitely not. I need to heed these signs and listen to them and plan for my death is what I need to do. <laughs> the road literally is a 45 degree angle. And it cuts down. And usually you hit what would most call a valley. It's more like a puddle. And then it swoops right back up at a 45 degree angle in some other direction than originally thought of. Again, sheer rock cliff. On the other side, guarding you from this treacherous fall is this little like dental floss piece of metal that follows <laughs> the edge of the road that's usually really wavy from where other people have hit it, you know? And gone, and then you can see where they patched it, areas where it's crumbled. It's not <laughs> good at all. And Jessica's saying, pull over. I'm explaining to her, some people go 80, some go 20. There's no way we're pulling over. Can't happen. And then all of a sudden, she points to this small little sliver of grass at the bottom of this mountain. Okay, so you go down the mountain, guardrail stops, and about three car lengths later, guardrail starts and it goes right back up. And there's this little, little tiny piece of grass that sticks out. And she's like, we can stop there. I said, no one's ever stopped there. No one would pull over, no one has ever pulled over here. You can do it. <laughs> From being on team here and so encouraging, we have a saying that if we need to land a 747 on top of this building, we will do it. So we have decided that this is going to be a new landmark in West Virginia. This is going to be the Irvine rest stop. And so we, I encourage Douglas to pull us over. You hear truck horns just beeping, screaming at us going on the road. Our kids are getting excited. No longer do they have to do this to make them like make the noise. They're just banging on us anyway. Douglas swerves us over and pulls us into the grass. But it wasn't good enough yet because we needed him to of course now it's how you have to angle the car yeah. so no one sees the kids <laughs> i'm saying just go to the bathroom the edge of a cliff so i i do like a nine point turn and angle our car honked at him halfway on the road most of the time and i finally get it to where it's adequate for the ladies to go to the bathroom and we begin this process the first one piles out uses the restroom second and then Jessica asked me to get some things out of the back and she packs really neat and tight. So you have to figure out where everything is and stick your hand inside of it and yank out whatever <laughs> it is you're looking for. So I'm collecting things from the back and all of a sudden on the third child, the laughter now erupts into screams, curdling screams. It sounds like there's nine people in our car and I don't know what's going on. So I run to the front door and I jump back in. I'm like, what's going on? I look outside and she goes, just give me those napkins right now. <laughs> The last one was not so efficient or experienced at using the restroom facilities outdoors that we've now created on the side of the road. So Jessica proceeds to clean her shoes and legs off with these napkins. 
from the disaster that has now ensued. I must figure out some way to contain myself because I will be punished brutally if I laugh. As she's jumping back in the car and I'm containing myself, I look up and I could not believe it, but there were three other cars now sitting on this sliver of grass. Two next to each other right in front of us and one more in front of them. And I, first of all, thinking, how did they ever think they could now fit here? And second of all, because Douglas now thinks he owns the land. It's mine. He is now being a host to the land and asking everyone <laughs> if they're okay. And yes, I'm okay. like, they're throwing up. Get back in the car, Douglas. Leave they them were, alone. One car was getting sick. And so we screech around them and pull back on the road because you have to go a minimum of 45 to be able to enter back onto West Virginia roads. And as we do that, another vehicle is even pulling off behind us onto this little sliver that we've now claimed. All in all, I'm blown away that just by one person stepping foot onto a land, making an advance on something, taking a chance, it made it easy and understandable yeah. for so many others. Amen. It was incredible to me that other people had taken this. And when I asked them for help, they were like, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. No big deal. It was easy for them to make that stop because they had seen somebody else do it and conquer it. Amen. And as we prepared for the advancement, I said to Jessica, this is the story that we're going to tell. <laughs> and she said, no, we're not. And I said, yes, we are. <laughs> so you don't remember me just getting peed on. That's not the meat of our message today. It's not. I think this would be a good time for us to pray. It is. Amen. So, Papa, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this time to meet together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and be encouraged by you. Papa, we need Jesus in this time. For we need him to be changed, to be encouraged and to, uh, to receive everything that you have for us today. I pray that it would not be by Douglas and my words, Heavenly Father, but that it would be by Jesus alone. We thank you for being here and in this place, for anointing this message, Lord, for changing our hearts. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 So in preparing, here's while reading Peter in this, in this day that he's writing. Peter, when he's writing the book of 1 Peter that we call it, he's writing to the church in Asia. They're heavily persecuted. And pretty much the theme that he's using in this letter is to encourage them with the greatest things he can think of, the most valuable things. Peter has now spent decades in the ministry. He's experienced, he's been through a ton of things. And it's amazing, he starts this letter and he says to them, my most valuable possession the most prized thing in my life is my faith. That has been the greatest thing that I've ever received. And I don't know about you. For me, I, I've had some great examples of things in my life that are huge blessings, that are beautiful, that I'll never really comprehend the, the full value of them. And if I do, it's going to take a long time. Having children was one of those things. They are amazing. They bring incredible joy to my life. They're beautiful. And I can say today, I really, it is going to take me a lifetime and maybe into eternity to understand the weight that they play in my life. God's laid his hands on my body. He's healed me physically. I can never even describe to you the weight it is to have like just a crazy ailment removed from your body. It is, these are things that, that, that Peter is sharing in the scripture and it's all because of his faith. That's his most valued possession. Amen. So where do we go? Knowing that we are called to be advanced man to this city. 
If you are sitting here right now and you can hear my words, this is for you today. For the Lord is calling you to be the advanced man over your life, over your workplace, over ministry, over this whole entire area. There's several different topics that we could speak upon today, but today I want us to be encouraged as today we are going to look at the advanced man's greatest enemy. If you aren't taking notes yet today, I want you to grab something out to write this down. If you didn't bring something, don't tell Pastor Ben I said this, but just tear apart that tithe card. I've done it done a couple times before. You just undo all the sticky stuff. You can write all over top of there, okay? <laughs> so I want us to write this down, that number one, that the source of doubt, looking at the problem more than the promise the source of doubt, looking at the problem more than the promise. We read these certain things and we think, oh, I really got that covered or just sometimes I got it covered. But in searching through the scripture today, I didn't realize how much I actually do this. The Lord led us to start off by looking at one of the greatest advance man. Douglas loves him. He calls him the 007 of this time. And it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was put here on earth to make the rough places smooth for Jesus Christ. As we look at his life today, we are going to start from the last part of his life and work towards the beginning. We find John the Baptist and his his last shout-outs of his name in the Bible. And John the Baptist was a very popular man at this time. You see, he gave wisdom, he gave counsel to Herod, to um, to the, the rulers in the area, And in the last days, we find him in prison. He was put there by Herod for saying something crazy. And then Herod's sister-in-law decided that she really didn't like him and was going to behead him in two days. You think you have problems? If your sister-in-law wants to behead you, I mean, that's something that we need to just cry about then, okay? (laughs) So John the Baptist is sitting in prison and he does exactly what we do. He starts looking at the problem instead of the promise. And he sends word to his disciples and he says, I'm gonna paraphrase this for you so we can take it through fast. And he says to him, go find Jesus and ask him, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? I read that scripture and I think, John the Baptist, if there is anyone that should know that Jesus is God's son, it should be you. A couple days before, John the Baptist was headed down the road with his disciples. Disciples means friends. The Lord never sends us an advanced man alone. Look at the brothers and sisters around you. You don't have to take this city by yourself. We do it together. But Jesus, but John the Baptist has his disciples with him. And Jesus walks down the street the other way. And John looks at his disciples and he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He already professed with his mouth who Jesus was. A couple of chapters before that, we find John the Baptist wading in the Jordan River and he is baptizing people and telling them to repent. The kingdom of God is near. And who shows up on the scene? Jesus Christ. And Jesus steps into that water and he looks at John and he says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, I'm not even worthy. You baptize me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This is the way it's supposed to be written. And then one of the most incredible things happens when Jesus Christ comes out of that water, they get to hear who is standing there, the audible voice of God, who speaks down on the earth and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If there's ever time for extreme goosebumps to go all over your body, that is the time. I mean, John the Baptist, why would you doubt? 
And it even takes us all the way back in scripture to show us that before John the Baptist even came out of the womb of his mom, when Mary, Jesus's mom, came to visit Elizabeth, she entered inside the house and she's telling Elizabeth of the good news of God and how she is going to be pregnant with God's son. It says that John the Baptist is doing like a whole dance inside there. He is excited of just hearing and knowing that this is coming. So we take John in prison and we say, John, how could you be so foolish to write that? And then I have to think about my life. How many times the Lord has said something to me and to you as an advanced man in this city. And he's given you a promise, but we look quickly to the problem. It's the truth, it's the truth. One of the other areas he does it is based upon other people. So one thing that we are very, very good at is comparison. Yeah. So looking at others' experiences more than our expectations becomes a huge stumbling block with doubt. It's simple. Let me put it this way. So in a real-life scenario, you get a job. It's your first job, maybe. If you have not gotten a first job, highly recommend you getting a job. It's part of society. <laughs> Do it quickly, please. Um, so anyways, you get your first job, and you're doing great, and you're trusting and believing God for advance. And on Sunday, you're praying, and God says, you know what? I'm going to escalate you. I'm going to promote you at your job. The next morning you go to work, you are pumped up. And when you get there, your boss pulls you aside and he reprimands you. And he reprimands you specifically for something that happened to your friend just weeks earlier. And your friend got fired because of it. Immediately, you say to yourself, man, my buddy got fired for this. I'm done. How is it that God's going to promote me? And it's amazing how quickly we will take someone else's experience and totally destroy the word that God's given us. Yeah, we do. God will promise us. He'll tell us things. He'll come to us in those times of prayer. We are intimately with him. This incredible creator of the universe will open our eyes and our ears and talk to us. And we will allow it to slip away from us and get rid of it the moment we think of someone else's experiences. It's, it's happened all throughout the Bible. Jesus, in time of ministry, had very specific points where he was extremely busy. In one instance, he's going back and forth across the Sea of Galilee, ministering the gospel, preaching, healing, all sorts of things are happening. The disciples are gathered around. He's growing in popularity. And this one time, he jumps, literally jumps off the boat from the Sea of Galilee, and there's a man there waiting for him, a father. And this father runs to Jesus and begs him, come to my boy as fast as you can. Come, he needs you. This man's son, the Bible tells us, has a demon. He takes his body and he throws it into the fire. He actually convulses and foams. It's a big deal. Like this is a really, really bad circumstance. And Jesus says, absolutely. As they're on their way to see him, Jesus has sent ahead the advanced man. His disciples, they've already gone ahead of him at this point because Jesus is being tugged on. He's been pulled on. People are grabbing him, asking him to minister in other scenarios. As Jesus approaches, he starts to show us what doubt does to us. I'm going to read a portion of scripture here out of the book of Mark. It's chapter nine. I'm going to start in verse 21. Jesus turns and speaks to the father. 
He says to them, the father of the boy, how long has this been happening to him? And the father says, from childhood, it has been often, sorry, it has often thrown him both into fire and into water to destroy him. So this dad lets us know, this has been happening to the boy for a long time. He's telling Jesus, I have lots of experience with this. I've seen this. I know what's going to happen. At the same time, there are others all around him that have watched this. They've seen it happen time and time again. And it's amazing the conversation that happens. The dad says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus replies. He says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. It's mind-blowing to me that this dad says, do anything for him. Do anything to help him. And Jesus says, you do anything. He's telling him, just have faith. Yeah. It's your doubt. It's your circumstance that you're looking at. Uh, he's Jesus Christ. This man has waited at the sea for him. He knows what's possible, but still his experience has destroyed his faith. We were actually just traveling, like I said, we came back through Tennessee. When we did, we stopped at Pastor Jim Freese's church. Uh, if you don't know him, he speaks at our church once or twice a year. He is Pastor Ben and Melissa's pastor. Incredible man of God. While we were there, he completely revolutionized an understanding for me. He preached on the parable of the mustard seed. I've heard it so many times being in church, growing up for the past 15, 20 years in church, and I never learned the truth of it. I always thought if I only had a tiny bit of faith, I could see things happen by God's hand. The parable says, Jesus quotes, just if you have, a, a, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move and it will. And he's saying to him, with just the tiny, or in my perception, the tiniest bit of faith, you can see miracles happen. You can see God's hand work. But it's not the truth. Because we all have the same God, amen? amen? So how is it that my faith would be smaller than someone else's? I look at a character, a person like Billy Graham, spread the gospel all over the whole United States and beyond its borders, led crusades with thousands and thousands and thousands coming to the Lord. There's, there's video of just streams of people walking down, giving their hearts to the Lord. And me, I have trouble in Publix, just inviting the cashier to come to church on the weekend. You know what I mean? It looks a little bit like this. You walk up, you can feel the inkling. I got to share with this lady. I got I to gotta invite her. I should, should preach the gospel. I should do something. And you get there and you're like, so what, what, do you, what do you do on the weekends? And then as a married guy, I get in trouble for trying to pick up 65-year-old ladies at Publix. <laughs> Big trouble. But the truth of it is, is that Billy Graham doesn't have any more faith than me. The difference is, his view of doubt is a whole lot smaller than mine. Yeah. My doubt has grown so big that it overcomes my faith because I've watched what's happened to others and it's destroyed what God has told me. Amen? Amen. So in our last point today, I'll be honest, this is the one that I get attacked with the most. It's crazy, but this is the one that God would ask me to share. But number three, looking at your failures more than your faith. Looking at your failures more than your faith. You know, no one has gone through this world and has done it perfect and excellent except for Jesus Christ. 
So why should we think that what we do to mess up should get us unqualified? You know, God says that he will call, he will, he will qualify the called. It's very, uh, it's not very usual that he does it the other way around. I look at for the advanced man that the enemy is crafty. He's not creative. And he will try to do the same tricks that he does on me and on you and on you. And he's been doing since the beginning of the time. And we come inside this place every weekend and we get excited and we get stirred up and we get built up and the lives of the enemy get stripped away as we're in the presence of Jesus. And Pastor Ben encourages us every single week to get up and do something. He says that his calling is to help you find your life purpose. He begs for you, get up, don't be afraid, lead a life group. Don't be afraid. Go after that job. Don't be afraid. You're a great mom. Raise those kids. And we know that we can do it. And then as soon as we step out and we let it go and we get our eyes fixed on the world instead of Jesus, the enemy comes and just starts to gnaw at our toes, right on our heels, and starts to say, hey, you can't really do that. Do you, do you remember what you just did last night? Do you remember how you treated your husband, your kids, your friend on the way here? Remember how you're like, I don't even want to do anything. I don't want to share the gospel. And now you want to? Why would they even think about letting you serve with them? You know, thoughts fly around our head and it's our job not to take them captive. A bird can fly around my head all day long but I have the responsibility and the power through Jesus Christ not to let him make a nest in my hair. So I have, I like my house to be really neat, but because I desire to grow in Christ, I place scripture everywhere, all over my bathroom mirrors. I'm getting ready in the kitchen as I'm burning pasta and I repeat the word of God all the time. And when the enemy tries to come and remind me of my past, I confess to him it's true. I say, you know what, devil? That's right. I did do that. I'm not perfect. Who would even think about choosing me? But it is written in the word of God, in Romans 8, 1, that therefore there is no longer condemnation for those that live in Christ Jesus. And I may not be perfect, but I am okay. And God loves me and he desires to use me. So no weapon formed against me is going to prosper because greater is he in me than he who is in the world. So today I will rise in the power of Jesus Christ and I will put on the armor of God and I will advance through this city because I have been called and I don't need qualifications attached to my name and I don't need all these big colleges attached to my name because if Jesus Christ is for me, who can be against me? Amen. Church, I want you to say out loud today and experience the freedom and apply your faith to it. Say, I am okay. Okay. There's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing wrong with me. God has called me to advance the kingdom. And today I stand dangerously awake and ready. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come back up.
as we get ready to close. And as they do, I want to encourage us as a mom, teaching our babies to walk. If a one-year-old starts taking a couple steps and then falls right away, do we as earthly parents scream at them and say, why did you fall down? Don't even try walking again. What do we do? We run to them, we pick them up, we kiss them, we cuddle them, we cover them with as many Hello Kitty Band-Aids that can fit on top of their body and we set them standing again. Now, if we as earthly parents do that for our children, how much more can our Father in heaven do for us? Amen. Amen. Like I said, as we drove, we came out of this experience on the side of the road. I could not believe the ease of the advanced man. How God has made it simple for us. That because we stopped somewhere, we did something first. Others were now able to do it. Because of doubt, we have shrugged so many things off. We've made them common. We've taken away from what God has said. But that's not what he desires for us. He desires for us to overcome doubt. The word of our testimony, he says, we will overcome doubt. And just as Peter said, towards the end of his life, as he writes to the churches, as he writes to those he encourages, he says, my greatest treasure is my faith. And only because he overcame doubt. Amen? Amen. If you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes, I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you say to yourself, wow, this Jesus you guys talk about, I want to know more. I want more. If something inside of you is stirring today, you may have never been to church, maybe you visited, maybe you grew up there, maybe something happened, I don't know. But today you say, I want Jesus Christ. And there is something inside of you saying, today is your day. I'm going to ask you to be bold. We're going to pray a prayer in a minute, and I want to include you in that prayer. And I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you that if today you say, I want Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and let him know and be bold for God. Jesus says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I ask you, if you've not prayed to receive Jesus Christ, that you would pray with me today. One, because he loves you. Two, because he will never leave you. Three, raise your hands if that's you today. Amen. Thank you for your hand. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Jesus is king. Can we clap for them? Can we celebrate? Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that when one person, one person gives their heart to Jesus, there is a celebration in heaven. And that is going on here and in heaven right now. Amen. Amen. Well, please, we're going to pray a prayer. If you know this prayer already, pray it with us. If you haven't heard it, I'm going to give you a moment. Just follow along with my words. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me first. 
for giving up your life for me. Thank you that you conquered sin. Thank you, Father, for giving your precious son for me. Today I pray that you are my God and I will serve you forever. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for giving me love forever. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. One more time.